I think by quality and by less. That's what I believe in. You know, fast fashion isn't free. Someone somewhere is paying for it. You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. I invite you to join me every Tuesday and Friday when I'll be sharing the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering you advice on making in the UK. Let's crack on with the show. Welcome to episode 80 of the Make It British podcast. So I'm back from my holidays now, a couple of weeks, and I have been dying to get into some factories and meet some manufacturers. And on today's episode, I'm taking you behind the scenes of a place called Gosha London, which is a high-end women's wear manufacturing studio in northwest London. Now, Mustafa Fuit, who owns Gosha London, started this manufacturing studio 23 years ago. So in the mid-90s, when manufacturing in the in London was slowly declining. And he, madman, decided he was going to do the opposite and set up a manufacturing unit. And he also knew nothing about fashion or manufacturing when he started Gosha London. In fact, He was apparently a pro footballer for Aston Villa. But he's obviously been doing something right as he now manufactures for some of the top luxury women's wear brands in the world. And he counts many celebrities and royals in amongst the people that have worn the beautiful dresses that he manufactures. So join me on a journey around the Gosha London studio to find out what the life of a high-end garment manufacturer in the UK is really like. And if anyone thinks after listening to this that making clothing in the UK is a dull and boring job, then they better think again, because modern UK clothing manufacturing is very different these days. Sorry, but there's a lot of background noise in this recording, but that is because Gosha's studio is a thriving hub of activity and a very happy place. You've got ladies in there chatting away in the background about their work and they clearly love what they do. So let's go and meet Mustafa. Hi, okay. My name's Mustafa and the company's Gosha London Limited. And do you want to tell everyone where we are today? We're in NW10 at our lovely studio. Let me show you around. Fantastic, let's go. Okay, so um, we started in one of these units 23 years ago. And then um, when it became available, I decided to take it back on, get the units next to it, and knock it all into one and create this amazing space that we've got. And it is amazing because there's not many garment manufacturing factories that you go into that have beautiful white walls and you've got pot plants everywhere. And it's a real buzzing hive of activity. Yeah, and photographs as well of everything that we've made on the walls. And the people you've made for. Do you want to tell us some of the people Absolutely. you've made garments for? Okay, so um, here we've got Kate Middleton. Um, we've made garments for her, Kate Blanchett, Mila Kunis. Oh my God, the list is, I mean, it's like, um, 
I'm forgetting names now. <laughs> you had a special uh, visit. Who's this lady here you had a special visit uh, from? Her Royal Highness, the Princess Royal. I forgot. <laughs> cool. How could you forget? Yeah, no. How did that come about? Um, well, um, the UKFT, she's the patron of the UKFT, and um, she does certain engagements to certain um, factories all across the board, and she heard about our niche um, unique small studio of producing high-end lottery women's wear. So she wanted to come down and see what we're all about. She came down last October and uh, it was just amazing. She's just an amazing person. But it was all surreal because I was um, speaking to the palace once a week and emailing them and then with all the security and everything. But when she came down, all the nerves went and she was like, chatting like we are now, actually. So was she generally interested in the people that were working here and the fact that you were making clothing in the UK? Yeah, she was. Um, I introduced her to members of my staff and um, I had to write a little biography on all of them. Um, so she did take the time to to find out about them and also about what we do. So she was very knowledgeable in that sense. And did you give her a present when she when she left? Yes, we did. <laughs> Apart from the beautiful bunch of flowers, we made um, a um, loungewear gown designed by Paula Wilson and um, we made that for her and I've got every member of my staff to put a stitch in it so they'll all be involved in it and we presented it to her and she was so pleased, honestly. So you're making clothing fit for the royals Abs- then? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean... Who would you most like to dress or make uh, an item of clothing for? Well, do you know what? With just so many people, I mean... Meghan Markle wore some stuff that we've made, um, uh, even... Uh, Oh, I've forgotten his name now. Um, so you do God. menswear as well as women's wear? No, we don't. No, no, no. We only do high-end luxury women's wear. Um, people have asked me to, you know, why don't I do men's wear, why don't I do children's wear? No, we purely CMT. You give me your patterns and your fabrics and your trims and we bring it to life for you. We inject the life and soul into it, basically. And it's, it's just something that we do. We won't do anything else because this is what we're good at. So how did you get started in the fashion industry? By accident, really. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't everyone? (laughs) Yeah. So I, um, 1994, I um, had some friends who used to do club and streetwear and they wanted to relocate to London from Birmingham. They asked me to help them. So I did, found premises, helped them move in and work with them for a little bit. And then they asked me to sort of like help cut and, and I got the bug. And I went home and I said to my wife, we are going into the industry. Uh, she said, well, really? I went, yeah, we're going to go into the industry. And also we went to a few parties and, and I met up with people in the industry mm. and they were all moaning about there isn't anyone that makes beautiful stuff for yeah. luxury women's Yeah. Women. So straight away I thought, do you know, that's what I'm going to do. So what year was that? 1996. Ah, so 23 years ago when you came into this unit, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, 23 years ago. So um, do you want to describe to everyone what's the room that we're in now? How many ladies have you got working here for um, you? I've got 12. Um, it's a very spacious room, big windows, high ceilings. I've got beautiful green plants, the walls are all white. Um, flowers. Flowers everywhere. Um, pictures of, of people we've dressed. <laughs> the names I've totally forgotten. <laughs> of. I mean, for God's sake. Ballet dancers by the looks of things. Yeah, so. we've done two different ballet dancers. We've done bridal. Let's walk, let's walk through here. Um, okay, yeah, so, so this is the main work area and it's very spacious. I believe in creating a, a spacious 
room for, for people to work in and, and a, a really nice and lovely environment because um, we create beautiful garments here for, for brands and in order to do that I think you've got to be to create something exceptional your mindset must be relentlessly focused on the smallest details and to do that you've got to be concentrating at all times and they need to have the space um, you know to work and we're not all cramped up and it's very light and bright in here as well, isn't it? Each machinist has got their own, their own space. special light. And there's ladies here that I've seen every time I've come. So you've obviously got a lot of staff that are stuck with you. Yeah, I've got I've got members of my team that have been with me 18 years, 12 years. Some have gone off, had babies, inconsiderate, I know, but they've, they've come <laughs> back now. But um, yeah, it's important, it's crucial really to have a good team behind you that know you. That, I mean, they know what I'm thinking. Um, when I come into the studio, I mean, I leave my house at four o'clock every morning. When I come in, I get here about half five, the latest. All the work that they've done, I look through. If I see anything I'm not happy with, then obviously, you know, but I don't find things I'm not happy with generally. Generally, I'm happy with everything, but they get so nervous because all the hangers must face the same way. <laughs> you know, all the garments must face the same way. I can't have one facing one way or one the other. It just, it drives me mad, so. So, um... You say you've taken on some new staff recently. How did you find those staff? And I also noticed you've got some young people working here as well. So how, how are you attracting young people into your studio? Yes, so my average work age for my staff was 59 about eight years ago. Um, I've been at, I advertise constantly on, in papers, in um, work, spaces, wherever I can really, constantly advertising. I get people that come to me um, that have been sewing for 20 years, 15 years. I interview them. Nine times out of ten, they're just not suitable because they've got to have this mindset. You know, they've got to be prepared to learn. Even after sewing for 15 years, you've got to, you've got to have the, the correct mindset to to work on things and try and visualise things before we have to make them. So we don't mind the so here. We think about what we do to create what we do. This this is the main cutting room now. We've got um, I've got two new new people working with me, Jack and Margarita. So my cutting team has, has increased to three now um, because of the work that we do. Um, we don't do huge quantities. Most of our work is small quantities but really high in luxury. So we need to be able to cut enough work to service the girls. And it looks like, because you've got no big um, knife, is everything hand cut with scissors? Most of it is. I'd say 75% of the stuff is. Wow. It's all hand cut, uh, precisely precision. I mean, you need to be, this is, where, this is where it starts. Here, they look at the patterns, they work out how they're going to lay it to get the best costing they can. And to cut it, it's got to be cut absolutely spot on because when it leaves this cutting room and it goes in there to the girls, if it moves a millimetre out, the notches don't match or the fabric's moved, then the girls won't be able to make it and that's when they start getting stressed when, out. Yeah. <laughs> and they're cutting velvet, I think, here. Is that yes. velvet at the moment? That's a yeah. nightmare to lay that, isn't that it? That is, but I've got an experienced team. They know what they're doing. They know what I want <laughs> and they know how I want it done and they're, they're more than capable. They're absolutely amazing things. Brilliant. I'm very lucky, really, to have found two additions to, you know, for my cutting team. Yeah. Really, honestly, I'm, 
It took me ages to find them. So other manufacturers are saying we can't find the staff then. Secret is a few pot plants and flowers. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's important. The important thing is when... Look, let me put it this way. When um, people come into my studio for interviews, unfortunately, they all want to work here, but they all can't because they're, they're either not what I'm looking for or they're not qualified enough or they haven't got the mindset, as I said before, to learn about things that we do and how, how I want things done. So if they were to walk into, and they probably have done, gone into different factories and they walk in and your place is dark and there's no windows, no natural light, no pictures on the walls, no plants, you know, it's like dark and dingy, they're not, whether you want them or not, they're not going to want to work there. So in order to attract them, you need to make it a, a good environment to work in. You need to make them feel comfortable that home from home or they've walked in and they think, great, I'd love to work here, you know. Tell me your name and what you do here at Gosha. My name is Jack and I'm one of the cutters here at Gosha. We're a team of three and I've been here a couple of months. And where did you train to be a cutter? Uh, I started training in factories. So I was one of the last to be taken on as an apprentice, you know, in the days when you could still do that. Yeah. You know? Nowadays, everybody has to have a degree in fashion and all that. Yeah. But I learned on the job from the people yeah. that did the job, you know, which I think is really valuable. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a good learning ground. And do you just do cutting? Do you do pattern cutting? Because always you explain that cutting is cutting the fabric, isn't it, in the garment factory. Do yeah. you do pattern cutting as well and other things like that? Um, I'm not a pattern cutter, but I can make alterations to existing patterns. You know, sometimes we find patterns are not quite right as they should be, so we can, you know, we're qualified to sort of them and, and make changes to what we think they should be. Um, and... Uh, Costings, you know, which is fabric consumption, working yeah. out the fabric consumption, which yeah. is a big thing, a really big part of our job. Important job. That's you know, so important, yeah. Yeah, so that so that they know um, how much to well, sell the garment It saves the money. It saves the designers' yeah. money because if yeah. you know, sometimes they their costing is they, they cost say a garment at four and a half meters, and we can get it in at four meters, so we're saving them half a meter, yeah. and at hundred pound a meter. Yeah. You can work it out, really. It's, you know... Is that how much that... Something like that, that... Is that silk velvet, then? That is... That is one of the best velvets you can get. That is wow. pure silk. You can touch it if you want. Oh, no. I'm not sure I'd want yeah, to. No. <laughs> on some of the cheaper velvets... It's, yeah, you don't you want to cut that part. wrong, do you? No. Lovely to meet you, Jack. Take care. Bye. Careful with that velvet. <laughs> oh, £100 a metre, really. Yeah, it is. That's a hundred centimetre. Wow. Because um, mm. you've got some, I mean, looking on this rail here, you've got some very tricky silk pleated. I mean, the detail in these garments, it does take great skill to be able to make that sort of product. Yeah, I mean, it makes me dizzy looking at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are some ray plates, some are knife plates. Um, so we have to cut them out first, get them pin hemmed send them to the pleaters, get them pleated, and then recut them again. So it's, it's a long process. They, they just take 20 hours to make for one, one, one gown, minimum. Is that the sample or the production That's takes the 20 production, hours? 20 hours. Whoa. Because it's so intricate. You, it's placement print as well, so you've got to make sure that the prints are symmetrical on the sleeves, on the skirts, on the front. They've got the police, they've got to be facing the same way on the front and the back, you know, so it's not, looking at it initially, you think, oh, that's a lovely gown. 
effort to actually put it together. Yeah. So imagine working on something for 20 hours. Yeah. You know, so it's that's half of someone's working week. Absolutely. So so they need to have that mindset, you know. And I, I'm not one of these places where you have tea breaks and coffee breaks. You yeah. can get up and have a tea break or coffee break whenever you want. So if you feel stressed on something, we've got a restroom, go there, have a coffee, yeah. take time out. If you smoke, go and have a cigarette, come back. I'm back on it, you know, and I'm here. To, I'm here. They always come to me, and they say, even though you can't sew, you seem to know so much. You know? <laughs> but it's, it's. I would say, you know, I didn't choose fashion. Fashion chose me. Yeah. And that, and I'm just so passionate about it. Um, yeah, it's, it's just amazing. I, I'm sometimes I'm sort of like bowled up <laughs> with what we do. To be you honestly. obviously really love what you do, which is just fantastic. I, I do. I, I mean, I got the bug all those years ago, and. You know, my initial dream was to create beautiful garments for women's luxury wear, and um, we're doing that and more now. And I'm so proud and privileged and grateful, really, by getting this far. And I want to bring manufacturing to the 21st century. I want all manufacturers out there to talk to each other, you know, to co communicate with each other. There's plenty of work out there for us to do, you know. Um, our world is getting smaller. It's not getting bigger. So the days where people think, you know, manufacturing is dark and dingy and brands can dictate to us, well, they can't anymore. You know, you need to be aware of everything within the industry. So, you know, if another manufacturer is working for a brand that you're working with, it's not embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed about mentioning it to them because they're not going to take work away from you or vice versa. Well, no, there's certainly enough to go around at the moment. That's, you know, manufacturers are all really busy and you're really busy. You've obviously expanded since I was last here. How much have you seen your business grow over the last few years? I'd say we've grown 25% in the last three years. Wow. And, Incredible. And that is, I mean, I don't have the tires. I don't have a website. I'm on social media, Instagram, <laughs> Where Twitter. can people find you on social media, Mr. Um, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Gushing London Limited. And I, I, I got that book two years ago. In fact, it was Dahlia who said to me, you must, yeah, you yeah. must go on there. So yeah. I go on that, and I post everything that we make for, for brands. Yeah. Um, and Which is a good point, really, because some brands, I mean, one of my main objectives, and I'm tirelessly campaigning against, is to try and get recognition for for the manufacturers behind the brands. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I'm exactly the same, yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about your campaign and what you've done for that in the past? Uh, well, hashtag who made your sample. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been attending the Fashion Awards for years now. and um, The British Fashion the British, Well, it's not Council called the British Awards. Fashion Awards anymore. It's called the Fashion Awards. Ah, OK. Um, yeah, so they, they go up there, they, you know, they, they present awards to... For, best red carpet, best design, new design, etc., etc. But not one of them turns around and says, I'd like to thank manufacturers, sample makers and pattern cutters for yeah. their for working tirelessly yeah. behind the scenes you know to what? help make this possible. And in a way, that's quite different to something like the film industry where you watch the Oscars and they're all thanking their production team and the film crew and the people yeah. that did the music. Yeah, it doesn't happen in fashion, does it? No, it doesn't. And um, I've approached the... Um, CEO at the British Fashion Council on many occasions where, when I met her and, and she said, yeah, you've made a point. Because without us, they wouldn't have an no, industry. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you think about it, what are designers without manufacturers? Yeah. They're just artists. They draw, they make beautiful creations, they draw, but it's, it's the manufacturer who brings 
the garment to life. Yeah, and makes it look right on the body, and makes it look beautiful when someone's wearing it. Absolutely. You know, when we do samples for, for brands, you know, we, we, we get them, they suggest certain finishes to certain, um, certain parts of the garment. If I don't think that will suit that garment, I'll turn around and go, well, actually, that won't suit that because it's too thick for pin hemming or for French seaming. So I suggest finishes. And in a way, we sort of help make the garment as beautiful as we can yeah. for them. And more often enough, they're happy with it, you know, and then and then we go into production if when they sell and uh, we make the production for them. So what do you think, are there any other solutions that there are for manufacturers to get their name out there more if designers won't give them the recognition they deserve? Go on social media, postings that you've done. You know, some of the brands that I work with, they love it. You know, they they like comment on my um, on my you know social media sites. They thank me for making stuff for them. Yeah. You know, why shouldn't they? At the end of the day, you know, we're part of we're part of the industry. Without us, there wouldn't be a fashion industry. You know, I'm not asking for recognition individually, as a whole, for the whole industry, you know, for everybody. I mean, what would it cost? I mean, I've said to the uh, CEO of the British Fashion Council, I'll pay for it if you want. <laughs> you know, before the awards start, go up there, I'll pay. And for someone to say, before we start proceedings, I'd like to thank all patent cutter sample machinists <laughs> and manufacturers for helping make this possible. Now, let's move on, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'll pay for it, but no, nothing. Still tirelessly campaigning, but no one... And also, that would bring more young people into the industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, all the young kids now, they go into colleges and universities and they want to become designers. They get, The best ones get funded by the British Fashion Council. They put them on the design floor during Fashion Week. Once the money runs out, they end up being working for Starbucks or someone like that. Yeah. You know, whereas if they were to mention manufacturing... Look, this is a sexy profession, right? We make, we make. Well, you make it yeah. sexy, Mister. Well, look, look at your place; it's fabulous. <laughs> I know, and I want every manufacturer to, to, you know, put pictures on your walls, have yes. parties. But the thing is, it is we make designs week in, week out, all different ones, you know. Um, and it's a pleasure, really. It gives my my team, you know, gets inspired by seeing things that they've done or they've worked on. Yeah. You know, with whoever's wearing them. But you're obviously working at the very, very top end of UK garment manufacturing. And so it's it's interesting for your staff to be able to make products that Cameron Diaz or whoever is wearing. Yeah. How do other manufacturers that are maybe working at the mid-market level, how can they keep their staff um, engaged? What are, the, what are your tips for that? Well, look, you've got to empower your staff. You've got to, you've got to you know, make them feel... As one, you know, without, without my team, I'm nothing. You know, my team without me is nothing. So it's a collective thing. You know, you've got to... Whatever you're working on, it doesn't matter. I didn't start off at high end. I started off, you know, sort of mid to low end, making beautiful garments then for next to nothing. But I knew that one day, you know, I would get this knock on the door because when interns or, you know, um, students go to work at these brands... When they graduate, they move on to maybe better brands, bigger brands, and they go, hey, what's yeah. this place? You know, that yeah. was a lovely place. They did beautiful work there. So, you know, you've got to always try and make the garment as beautiful as you can. And that will do attitude. Yeah. I, I can't even spell it. So, you know, that's the sort of approach that you should have. You should, you know, try and you know, make everything as beautiful as you can, you know, inside and out. 
I should also point out, while we've been chatting, there's a girl here who is sweeping every inch of your floor for any tiny little bit of lint or fluff. So the place is spotless. Yeah, it's got to be because... Look, when I come in in the morning, I check everything, right? And Sophie, <laughs> Sophie knows. She's smiling, though. <laughs> the girl sweeping the floor is smiling. Well, look, it's important because, you know, it's in the air. All the fibres are in the air. So if we're working on, we're going to be doing some bridal wear tomorrow. Yeah, of course. So it's important that it's all dust-free, you know, and doesn't get contaminated. Because if it goes in between the lining and the, and the, and the luxurious, you know, Duchess silk satin that we're using, it's going to contaminate the, the gown and it's going to, you know, make it look ugly. Mm. One thing I do notice about your place, which I think is really good, even though you've moved to this new studio, is that your desk as the boss is right on the factory floor. So you're not in a separate office tucked away somewhere doing your paperwork. You're right there on the factory floor, aren't you? Yeah, I am. And and that's where I belong. I belong there with my team. You know, I don't believe in having an office somewhere else. I mean, this is how can I how can I disconnect myself from what I love? You know, I love hearing the machines go in. I love the girls moaning about, oh my God, I can't do this. Uh, you know, oh my God, this is doing my head in. Or, or you know, Mustafa, can you come and just like give me your input on that? And straight away when I go there, I can see it, but they can't because they've been on it for like two hours. Yeah. You know, and they get frustrated. But then well, it's, it could be something simple, you know, that they're, they're, that they're missing. But yeah, I love all that. You know. Yeah, I think it's really good. And also, last time I was here, but I know he's not here today, your pattern cutting chap, you were playing chess with him on the pattern cutting table, which is also <laughs> something I've not seen in a factory before. <laughs> How did that come about? Yeah, well, we do. The thing is, um, one day he said to me, um, you know, do you play chess? And I said, yeah, but I haven't played for years. He said, well, I haven't either. I said, well, I've got to warn you, I'm good. <laughs> of course <laughs> you are. Yeah, well, I am, I'm excellent. <laughs> and he said, he said um, OK, I'll bring your chess you know, chessboard in. And that's our way of sort of releasing. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you know, we lose sight of, you know, our minds go into the work so much that, that we need to take time out. So, you know, I don't smoke, he doesn't smoke. So he brought the chess set in. So when we get stressed, I go, right, come on, let's have a game. <laughs> We play, we've got a clock as well, so we, we, it's like five-minute games, 15-minute games. Ah. So you move, you hit the clock, and yeah. you've got to move on. But that helps us unwind. Um, you know, productivity is very good. You know, you need to unwind, especially in a high-pressure, high-level yeah. jobs that we do here. Brilliant. Yeah. So do you want to walk me through yeah, here, then? So, so the, the garments that you're doing here are well, obviously not the ones I can see because you've hidden away the ones that will be on the catwalk at London Fashion Week. Um, what are the pressures for manufacturers that are making for the designers for London Fashion Week? Okay, look, you should really not be pressurised. As a manufacturer, one thing you've got to learn is most brands, when they tell me they've been working especially approaching Fashion Week, they've been working from nine in the morning till two in the morning the following day. No, you need to cut that out, okay? (laughs) You need to be, if you're organised, you're going to be on time. I'll leave you a little secret, Kate. (laughs) Sometimes I get designers call me and go, oh my God, oh my God, you know, after I've done all the samples for them, Mm. they go, oh, I need another couple of samples. This is on a Friday night, their show is on a Sunday. Because they've suddenly decided they want to change what they're doing because they've seen the fashion shows the week before or something yeah or the stylist said well no I can't use that I can't use this so so they call me on Wednesday oh my god my show's on the Sunday can you do two more samples for me you know 
by Friday, midday, I'll say, okay, look, you know, I want to do my best for you. Send the patterns over, send everything over. As long as I've got everything, I'll do my best for you. Which we always do, you know. I finish the garments on Thursday afternoon, but I don't call them till Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't call them till Friday you midday. Make sweat. Well, I don't call them till Friday midday and then because they won't appreciate it. And then when I call them at uh, Friday, 12 o'clock, I'm going, I've just finished your stuff. They're so grateful. I get chocolate sent to me. I get bottles of wine sent to me, you know. But you know the cat's out of the bag because this podcast is going to be going out and people can hear you say that. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I don't mind that at all because they know, look, it's tongue-in-cheek, but at the end of the day, they know They know I deliver. Mm. You know, at the moment, we're working on a lot of samples for, for Paris Fashion Week, for Milan, for certain clients, obviously, I can't say anything because yeah. if I did, I wouldn't allow you to leave. To, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there is a bit of pressure there because the garments we're working on, I mean, you know, for Paris, we've got 18 gowns and cocktail dresses we need to make and they are, you think these are complicated, you just, it'll just blow your mind. Um, you know, I'll, I'll post them anyway once. Yeah. Um, sort of around <laughs> December time or January. Because you around. do a lot of hand stitching here, don't you? So you'll stitch on hand beaded work and it's almost couture. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's some of the clients, it's demi-couture. It's mm. not total couture, but it's demi-couture. So we do a lot of, uh, sometimes when we have to bleed bodices, uh, I don't know whether you've seen, I've posted um, on the dummies where we pleat it and put all the yeah. pins in. Um, everyone go and take, go on the go on the social media, Instagram, <laughs> at Gosh London Limited and have a look because you'll see how it's put together. You know, it's painstakingly slow. That's why you've got to love what you do, Kate. Honestly, you know, it's like each pleat is pinned about four places and then, you know, when you've got like 50 pleats one side, 50 the other, and they're very small and tiny and it's on the bust area, it's got to be perfect because if it's not, but you also then realise why, when you see, come to a place like this and you see all your ladies doing handwork and see all the detail and the time, when you tell me that 20 hours to make that dress, hours. you realise why those garments are so expensive. Absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, you can't, you, can't, some, you can't do some of these garments abroad. You, you just can't, you know, because if you've got any issues with patterns and they're so complex, um, what are you going to do? And anyway, your carbon footprint designers, remember exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about that about that on the podcast only the other day. Um, so uh, has there ever been a designer that has brought you a design that you just said, no, I can't make that? Nope. Never. Never, ever. I'll take it on. You know, I'll look at it. I'll discuss it with my team. You know, I'll digest it. Go to sleep. Dream about it. Yeah. The following day I'll come in and it'll just fall into place. But has there ever been something you've seen and you think, I'll make it, but you're not going to sell it? Yes. <laughs> there was a monster gown we made for a client in Dubai. Um, that took nearly 30 hours to put together. Uh, it was strips and strips of fabric put, put together on top of tulle. And then, you know, it was uh, embroidery pieces. And... I think they've still got it as a showpiece in the in a showroom. To be honest, <laughs> you know, it's been about it's been about a year nearly. But yeah, I didn't think they would sell that. It, honestly, it was just like too much, really. <laughs> maybe maybe a film star. Maybe I don't know. Maybe Lady Gaga or something. And we have yeah. made for Lady Gaga, by the ah, way. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm looking at what they're now. I just, yeah. it's yeah, fantastic. Just so many, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there have, there has been, but a lot of the pieces that we make for. Um, fashion Week, whether it be Paris or, mm. or London or Milan. Uh, we don't do that much for Milan, but we've just started this year, the clients asked us to do. They're sort of, if you like, exaggerated pieces. 
um, no linings, you know, showing more flesh, etc., yeah. just to make it sexy. But the actual pieces that we sell for production, they've got linings, yeah. they're more covered. Because you can't, you know, obviously it's different. You get the film stars wearing that just yeah. to promote the brands, obviously. But um, for sales in the shops, yeah, they need to tone it down, and they do. So um, some climate um, campaigners, Extinction Rebellion, are call- calling for London Fashion Week to be cancelled altogether. Do you think it should be? Do you think we shouldn't be encouraging people to buy all of these fancy dresses? What are your thoughts on that? I think buy quality and buy less. That's what I believe in. You know, fast fashion isn't free. Someone somewhere is paying for it, unfortunately. And we've got to get out of this this mindset of, you know, throwaway culture because you know my, my daughter's done it members of my family have done it you know I've done it in the past before I got into into the industry and people buy things for £8 £9 wear it once throw it away buy it again and think about it Kate right even made in the UK certain brands low end obviously high street they make in the UK and they sell dresses for £8 £10 online those dresses are going to take a minimum of two hours to make, right? Or even an hour. Even if you say an hour. If you're selling it for £10, what are you paying the manufacturer to make it? Albeit it's high street. What? You're breaking the law because you're paying, you're paying them less than the minimum wage. So what are they paying their staff? And this is the sort of, you know, um, dark and dingy side of manufacturing. You know, it's not my end, thank God, but, you know, it happens. So, so you know, brands have got to be more realistic with paying what what the garment costs to make and not thinking about you know I've got to tell you a story right go on <laughs> so I, had, I was working with a brand and they'd come over and they'll always be moaning about prices right so I'd say to them well actually I've got I've got they're going to give me 10 pieces of this gown to make I'm pricing it at 250 pounds they're saying to me no, we can't give you more than 230. It's 10 pieces, mind you, right? So there's a difference of 20 pounds. And then they, they say, well, we're going to have to take it elsewhere. And I go, well, do you know what? There's the door, take it elsewhere. By the way, here's 200 pounds, give it to the designer because if he needs it more than anybody else, it's, it's only 20 pounds we're talking about. You know, so that's my attitude. And all manufacturers out there, you need to stand your ground. Charge because that's what it costs to make. Don't charge because you want to get the work because you're going into deep water there. Yeah. You just don't know. They'll hold you to ransom. Yeah. Before you know, you, you won't be here next year to be working for anybody. So you need to yeah. be you know, aware of that. That is so true. Yeah. Where do you think, last question, yeah. where do you think garment manufacturing in the UK will be in 10 years' time? Oh. <laughs> do you know, I'm positive. I, I feel that more brands are going to come back because when you think about it, you know, one carbon footprint, two, it's not costing that much less because by the time they fly over, by the time they fly things, you know, so the difference between, you know, and let's face it, over here in, in the UK, everything's expensive, rent's expensive, race expensive, everything's expensive. So, but I'm positive. I believe that manufacturing is going to come back. Um, manufacturers are going to become stronger because our world is getting smaller we're not all secretive anymore um, and brands will just have to put up with it you know we're meant to be partners with brands we, I don't work for brands you know I work with them I'm their partner and a lot of brands say 
we're partners, but that's rubbish. You know, they, it's just a word for them. You know, if you're a partner, then you should be, you know, all brands out there need to be supporting their manufacturers, helping them out, you know, if they've got any issues, sort it out with them. Because if you lose, start losing manufacturers, when you want something done, you won't be able to find anyone to do it for you. So yeah. I think that's so important. Well, thank you very much, Mustafa. Thank you. Is there anything else you would like to say before we go? Um, when I first met you, I had dark hair. Now I've got grey hair. Yeah. <laughs> I think I had grey hair. I've got getting grey hair now too. No, not, not really. I think I've covered a lot. There's a lot more that I'd like to say, but obviously I can't, you know. Um, but look, I'm still championing manufacturers. Uh, everyone out there should be proud to be making in the UK, you know. Sing your praises, post on social media, you know, tell people. Don't be afraid to talk to other manufacturers about what you do because they're not how to get your work, you know. The more collectively we're together, the stronger we become. Yeah, very wise words. Thank you very much for your time today, Mr. Burr. You're very welcome. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me a, just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.